2: The Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heest.
3: Welcome, everyone, to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for becoming better habitat managers. As always, I'm your host, Jared Van Heest, and we have another good episode here for you guys tonight. We have our co-host, Brian Hallbly, on the line. We also have some returning guests, Mr. Eric Long and Mr. Cody Altizer. So if you guys have uh, listened to us for a long time, you know Eric and Cody both from uh, Habitat Podcast number 46. You know, these guys are pure conservationists, and we have a call to action for uh, Habitat Podcast listeners here tonight on this episode. So some uh, alarming stats about the rough grouse lately, uh, numbers will be zero in our lifetime. So we wanted to get Eric and Cody on and talk about that and talk about their Bucks to Birds campaign, um, which we'll get into over the show here. And if you want to check out more and see the video that these guys put out on this campaign and what it really means, there's a link uh, in the show notes that you're listening to now. So just go down and you can check that there. But we're going to talk about the Bucks to Birds campaign with Eric and Cody and how we as habitat managers can uh, help the rough grouse out here and not, you know, let that go on our watch. So, I like Eric's term there, you know, letting something just go away on our watch. That's that's something we talk about here in the episode. So, guys, this is going to be a good episode. It's, um, we need you, so take a listen, and then also I want to tell you guys about, a couple of our partners before we get started here. We have this episode being brought to you by Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Our friends over at MWP, uh, I'm a member of that team if you if you haven't known that from the past. They videotape all real hunting here in Michigan for uh, whitetails, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. And they're having an online season 11 premiere February 12th at 7 p.m. So if you want to watch the brand new season come out, Online, They're having a premiere over at Michigan Whitetail Pursuit Facebook, and you can check that out for February 12th. Get it you know, reserved in your calendar at 7 p.m., and that way you can see the latest and greatest from the team over at MWP and some great bucks and does that they harvested this last year. Now, this episode is also brought to you by Morse Nursery, and we thank you guys for your support and helping us uh, with, with Morse. I know you guys have been purchasing some habitat trees, and uh, you know, it's coming around the corner. Most orders, you're wanting to be in right about now, if not earlier. You may have a little time left before you know a lot of these nurseries sell out. Um, we like to start ordering in the fall when we talked to Frank at Morse in the past year this fall, so... If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check that out. But I want to tell you about the new Habitat packs that they have over at Morse. Um, The first pack they have is is a variety pack of trees. It's called the Big Buck Pack. Now, this pack contains two August-dropping hybrid chestnuts, two hybrid chestnuts that drop in September, two that drop in October, and two that drop in November. Then there's some persimmons a pair of them that drop in October, and a pair of them that drop in November. If you think about all those months and you have mast trees dropping in your woods near your tree stands or your food plots, that sounds pretty attractive to me. Uh, So check out the Big Buck Pack over at morsenursery.com. They have three other habitat packs as well. We'll tell you about another one of those here soon. Uh, They're called the Deer Bedding and Screening Package, the Investment Tree Pack, and the Thermal Bedding Pack. So you can probably guess what's going to be in a few of those. But check all that out at com. And uh, be sure when you go there to tell them the Habitat Podcast sent you, we have code HABITAT10, and you'll get um, 10% off and free shipping with orders over 100 bucks. So check that out over at Morse. All right, guys. Lastly, i like to tell you about our Habitat chat group over at the Habitat Podcast Facebook. Um, that is going bonkers over at the Facebook page. So we really appreciate you guys jumping on there. It's called Habitat Chat. It is under our Habitat Podcast Facebook. You can find the group or just search in Facebook groups Habitat Chat. Um, Eric and Cody in this episode, they're both on that group. Uh, we got some foresters on there. we got some hinge cutting professionals on there. We have um, some biologists on there. We have a bunch of passionate habitat managers on there, and we'd like to have you guys there too over at the Habitat Chat on our Facebook. Uh, please check that out. It was already, I believe close to 800 members started this about a month ago. It's going pretty well. I'd love to see you guys there and, um, you know, your input, your projects, your pictures, it's a good way to keep up with us and we can see what you're doing. And then you can also follow up podcast episodes with questions there, uh, where we can get right to them on Facebook. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, So, anyways, guys, check that out, and I want to get right into the episode now with Eric and Cody and the Bucks to Birds campaign. All right, Mr. Eric Long, can you hear me? I hear you fine. And Cody, how you doing, sir? Really, really good. How you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for uh, hopping on here tonight. Brian, how you doing? Doing great, Jared. How about you? Good man. Good. Happy happy twenty twenty one to y'all. I know I haven't spoken with Cody and Eric in a while. Good to hear from you guys. Um how were the holidays?
4: The holidays were good, man. They came and went quickly. It's hard to believe. It's it's hard to believe we're almost at the end of January twenty twenty one now. Time is flying, but we're here
3: making the most of it. Yeah. Yes, sir. You aren't kidding. Eric, how are yours?
2: Um, yeah, so far, so good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you want. No, no, holidays is great. Uh, 2021 has been, uh, absolutely insanely busy. So.
3: Good. Uh, Good to hear. Yeah, no, same, going the same over here. So, uh, sorry to ask us a challenging question up front here, guys. (laughs) But, no. In in all seriousness, um. You guys fired up uh, a campaign lat- back in 2020, last fall, and we've been talking about getting you on here for a while, so we're finally making it happen. Um, if you guys could, go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves. I know you've been on the show, both of you, uh, once before, and Eric, once before that. Uh, if you guys want to just introduce yourselves, and, uh we'll move right into the Bucks to Bird campaign.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, we appreciate you guys having us on. Um, you know, we launched this campaign back in October, which, you know, we did that on purpose, but it was, you know, deer season and a bunch of stuff going on. So it was, you know, it's hard for us at the deer hunter project and hard for you guys to, it's hard for the four of us to sync up our schedules and get on the same page, but we're, we're really appreciative of you guys having us on, but no, I, I, Cody Altizer, I live in Virginia. Uh, I freelance doing photography and video as a, as a career. And in 2019, Eric and I started the Deer Hunter Project and Deer is D-E-A-R. Kind of as a, as a brand, we have a podcast as well. We do short films and, and hunting and conservation wildlife management projects. And the reason we call it Deer Hunter, spelling deer the way we do is it's, you know, mine and Eric's, it's our message to, to the hunting community, to hunters, to non-hunters, and, you know, just trying to spread the good word about hunting and wildlife and and conservation and everything that goes along with it.
3: Mm -hmm. Very nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, a little bit about myself. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm an Aries. (laughs) uh, (laughs) No, it's not funny? (laughs) All right. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm the owner of uh, Drum and Log Wildlife Management and um, been doing that for a, lo- a long time now, since 2001, I believe. My gosh. And then, um, yeah, as uh, based out of Ohio, travel all over the country managing people's properties and, and uh, even do some dabble with real estate. And, um, yeah, many hats I wear. And, uh, but the one that I truly love being a part of is uh, this project with Cody, for sure, the deer the project, and uh, yeah, so that's me.
3: Yeah, no, good to good to hear a little bit about you both. I know, Eric, um, we had you on episode 31, way back when, and uh, then again with you, and then Cody joined us on 46, so mm-hmm. if anybody wants to hear some wildlife management stuff from Eric and and Drumming Log, and then um, Eric and Cody on again on 46 about conservation and habitat advocacy. Those are both ones to get back to. These guys are are friends of ours and true uh, conservationists. So glad to have you guys on. And, I mean, it will be proven when you tell us about your campaign. So can't wait to hear about it.
4: Yeah, no, I I appreciate the kind words, man. I'm sure Eric does as well.
3: Um, But the Bucks to Birds campaign, you know, it's a
4: campaign we launched, like I said, last October, October 2020. And the Bucks to Birds campaign, it's a mission that's kind of dedicated to the rough grouse. Um, Eric and I on our podcast, the Deer Hunter podcast, we had Dr. Ben Jones on last spring. He's the president and CEO of the Rough Grouse Society. And you know we had him on just kind of as a as a general interview about rough grouse, about habitat, about you know RGS and what their mission is as a conservation organization. And Eric asked Ben in the conversation, and Eric and I, you know, we're we're wildlife guys, we're aware of rough grouse. we we were aware of their situation, which is it's it's not a positive situation for the rough grouse. But Eric asked Ben, you know, what's the what's the outlook for rough grouse and Ben answered, you know, current projection for the ruffed grouse is zero, and I'll never forget when Ben told us that on the podcast, I and mean, like our, I mean, Eric and I, Eric was in Ohio, I was in Virginia, but I'm pretty sure both of our jaws just hit the floor because we were shocked, you know, that the future of this bird is is literally zero. To think that there would be no ruffed grouse, you know, across the landscape in North America is just really, really hard to to, to visualize. Eric and I we kinda got to talking as soon as we got off the phone with Ben, you know, how can we how can we help? How can we help Rough Grouse Society? How can we help the the rough grouse, the species itself? And we came up with this idea. You know, Eric actually came up with the idea itself of recruiting deer hunters, deer managers, QDMers, you know, whatever you want to call them. You know, the whitetail deer hunter, it's arguably you know, we say arguably, but I mean, you know, North America's most successful conservationist. When you look at what deer hunters have done for the species in the last hundred years, I mean, it's uh you know, what a hundred years ago, there were, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand whitetails, maybe across the United States, which is just an absurd figure to think about now to think about how many whitetails there are. And that's all because of what whitetail deer hunters did. They cared about the species. They invested in its future, in its habitat, and, and they fought for it. And, you know, Eric had this idea of what if we can get deer hunters to care about rough grouse the same way they care about white-tailed deer? Because whitetail deer, I mean, they've got issues right now that's, you know, habitat loss, development, disease, you know, predators. They're they're not they, they got obstacles to overcome, but the whitetail deer is in a pretty good place. And, like, what could we accomplish if we could get deer managers, habitat managers to, to reinvest their energy and focus into the rough grouse? Because the rough grouse, they need our help in a big, big way right now. And that's kind of what the idea of the Bucks to Birds campaign, how it all came about, was recruiting North America's most successful conservationists, the whitetail deer hunter, to reinvest their time, energy, resources, whatever they have in the future of rough grouse.
3: That's a really good idea, Eric. I'm surprised. Good job. <laughs> just just, one kid. year. just hey. kidding. Just kidding. Just <laughs> no, that, kidding. No, that, no, truly, though, truly, though, that's, that's a great idea. Um, how'd you come up with that? Did it just hit you in the head like a rock one day, or what's going on?
2: Uh, I just saw it roll. No. Um, no, it, it, <laughs> you know,
3: it, it's funny because, um,
2: I don't know, it was uh, a couple days prior to Cody coming up with the, the name, and the, the main concept of it was, uh, I, I don't know, it was like 10, 10.30 at night, your typical, I'm sitting on the, my recliner with the computer in my lap, and I just started writing. And um, I wrote this article, and, you know, it had a lot of holes in it, but I the concept was there, and I sent it to Cody. And, you know, I think it was the next day, Cody. I mean, you came up with uh, the name and, and, and stuff, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. But, yeah, it just... You know, my problem is, is I overanalyze everything and always asking the question why. And Cody's the same way. And um, no, just trying to make things better, you know. And then that's the concept. And yeah, that's pretty much the quick and dirty version of it. It's just uh, sitting on the recliner, just started letting the fingers do the typing. So
3: nice. No, very nice. I mean, Mm -hmm. taking like you guys said, the the most successful conservation uh act if you will or or program that was implemented the way uh, for the white-tailed deer and and grabbing some of that success or those managers and and just numbers right quantity of numbers how many people are deer guys like everybody so that's uh that's a great idea and cody can you explain what the situation is in a little bit more detail for the rough grouse right now
4: yeah i mean it, it's pretty grim i mean that's that's you know literally what dr. Ben Jones said you know when eric asked him what's the what's the current outlook for rough grouse and zero and you know a, a disclaim there there are pockets of the rough grouse native range up north and in the northeast where rough grouse are doing really really well um so it's not i mean you know the current projection is zero um but they are doing well in pockets. it's not like it's you know across the board they're they're fighting by the day for for a tomorrow there are they are doing well in certain parts of the country but you know, I know here in Virginia they're not doing well. You know, numbers are down. Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia. It's um, and it's all it's it's related to habitat. I mean, you know, rough grouse they're an indicator species, and you know the the rough grouse called the or rough grouse society call them the bellwether of all forest wildlife. And you know, we're just we're not managing our habitat for that you know suitable for rough grouse like we were when rough grouse were doing so well. So it it starts and ends with habitat for the rough
2: grouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to to piggyback on that, I've said this before on, um, you know, other conversations with Cody and with the podcast and stuff is, you know, um, not to get all deep on everybody right now, but um, whether you're a spiritual person or not, um, we're all put on this earth to... uh, do something and it's our decision to whether you know to take on that challenge or not and uh, there's a reason for everything i hate that cliche just as much as anybody else but there is a reason why we're doing the things that we are doing and there and there's a reason why as deer managers we we were just regular deer hunters and then you know there was something pulling us to do do better and we did all this learning all this education of how to make our habitats better. I mean, there was a reason why we took those steps and learning how to plant a food plot, learning how to chainsaw, and and doing all this wildlife management. And um, it's never it, the, the mountain that we climb should never we should never reach it to the top. And some people, especially in the deer management world, we kind of just like maybe hit a ceiling. And um, there's always more, and there's a reason for it. And this is we were. I feel strongly, as, as you know, cheesy as it sounds, we were meant. We were the ones that um, should just pick up this flag and, and run with it. I mean, we have the capability and knowledge to get this species that's in dire need to get them over the hump. We can turn the page with this, we have the capability of doing it. And there's no better group of people to do it than quality or managers. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point because we got a good foundation built for sure, like you guys mentioned, about having the uh, successes that we've had in the whitetail world. And uh, fortunately, a lot of the improvements we've made have have helped a lot of birds and other species, so it's just a natural progression, and I I think you guys really lit something on fire here, and uh, just appreciate you guys bringing it to light, and we're going to try to help you get it out to as many people as possible for sure because... We definitely got a lot of listeners that'll really be into this next step, and uh, hopefully they'll pass it on to their friends and family and see how far we can take this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's sky's a limit with us. I mean, when and
2: Cody, please chime in. Um, it, it, this is a living, breathing thing. This concept. I mean, we we introduced it to everybody, and Cody and I, um, you know with this project it's it's unselfishness i mean we are not like looking for credit we're not looking for anything and we're looking for all the help we can get it's not about deer hunter project it's not about eric or cody i mean if anybody wants to jump on board and, and help us you know get this uh concept moving forward man we're all about it i mean uh yeah cody chime in for sure
4: no, for sure. That's that's we talked about it in in the promo video that we put out. You know, when we launched the campaign, is it's a you know the bucks to birds campaign. We call it the bucks to birds just because you know deer hunters they're the biggest audience we're trying to target, and I think deer hunters are the the biggest audience who can have the biggest influence on this campaign. You know, but at the end of the video, we mentioned that the Bucks to Birds campaign, it's it's a coalition of of deer hunters, of upland bird hunters, wildlife managers, conservationists, naturalists. Anybody who cares about wildlife should care about the rough grouse. Anybody who cares about wildlife should care about this campaign and this project. You know, because like I said, rough grouse are an indicator species. As go rough grouse, go everything else. And you know, if you live in a part of the rough grouse native range, and you don't have rough grouse, you know, on your property or in your neighborhood, or numbers are declining like they are across a lot of their native range, like it's it's not a it's not a it's not a good picture. You know, that that speaks to a bigger problem, you know, a lack of proper ha- of habitat management, a lack of, of of proper forest management. So this, the Bucks the Birds campaign is is for everybody who cares about wildlife.
2: Yeah. It's one thing, too, is I was at a meeting one time and um, somebody mentioned something about the passenger pigeon. And the passenger pigeon at one time in the late 1800s, I believe it was, and I think it's around that time period, you know, they, they, were, they blackened the sky at one point and now there's nothing, you know. And somebody in a meeting said, I can't believe that these people allowed this to happen. And I kind of looked over to them and I, <laughs> we're doing the same thing. And we know better. Yeah,
3: we're those people.
2: We're those people. We can change this. We, I mean, this is as a as a quality deer manager. You know, that's the beautiful thing about QDM is when we take the blinders on. Oh, oh excuse me. You 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 finally realize that man, you are a true conservationist when you decide to take the blinders off. That is, and when you do that, that's when you open your whole world to other species and and. um and as Brian said just a little bit ago, you know, we we were, we are benefiting other species other than deer, but we're putting a label on it. That's the problem. You know, we're not opening our eyes to a, a little bit bigger picture, right? Uh, if right. you will. So we are doing great things at quality deer managers, you know, just by default, and we just don't know that that's what it's, you know. Um, yeah, just I'm rambling on here, but yeah, it's just. Uh, we can just do better with that
4: one. And we have the capability to. I mean, if you look at what deer hunters and deer managers accomplish with the white-tailed deer, you know, you look at what we're trying to do for the rough grouse, and we've kind of already done it. We we did it for the white-tailed deer. We just need to do it for, for a different species, for the rough grouse. And, you know, a lot of what it takes to build good habitat for rough grouse, that you know, like Eric said and, and Brian as well, it benefits all wildlife species, if it's good for the bird, it's good for the herd, and not just your deer herd, the herd of all wildlife on your property. I mean, if you've got good rough grouse habitat, you've got good wildlife habitat. So I think, you know, a lot of the times, you know, when we call ourselves deer managers or quality deer managers, QDMers, it's kind of limiting because, like Eric said, we we have these blinders, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody gets so focused on deer, big deer, mature deer. What can I do to – you know, to create the best possible environment for white-tailed deer. You know, kind of unintentionally, we 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 do it for all wildlife, for songbirds, for pollinators, for for rough grouse. So if we can, you know, we just a lot of what we need to do, we we we've already done for the white-tailed deer. A lot of what we need to do, we're already doing. But we're putting part of what the Bucks to Birds campaign is, and a big missing link is is spreading the word and trying to generate awareness and advocate for the species and for RGS because. You know, a lot of, and of no fault of our own, but deer hunters, we just, we don't know the situation of the rough grouse. Like I said, Eric and I were, we're wildlife guys. Eric's a, a prof, been managing wildlife professionally for almost as long as I've been on, on this planet. And, <laughs> we, you know, we were aware of rough grouse, but we just, we didn't know the current projections were zero. And if, you know, if we can really hammer home that this iconic upland species. It's almost synonymous with the uplands and, and forest, forest um, habitats in North America. It's, it's literally trending to zero. You know, it's, I don't know. Eric yeah. Eric kind of touched on it. The, the, the fact that that could happen on our watch, it just it doesn't sit well with me, and I know it doesn't sit well with Eric, and
2: that's what we're, we're fighting to avoid. Yeah. And, and one thing, too, is like a lot of deer hunters are not grouse hunters. Notice that we're not talking about grouse hunting. You know, it's, if you, for example, if you're a, a, a big duck hunter, you should care about the pheasants because their habitats go hand in hand. You should right. pay attention not just to, um, you know, the, the ducks unlimited. You should also try to be a part of some way, some shape, or form of pheasants forever, for example, or quail forever, because those two habitats definitely, can, you know, they go hand in hand. And rough grouse and, and QDM, whatever organization that is, I mean, they go hand in hand. Um, all of us should be supportive of trapping, which we all kind of quietly are. But if it's not for trapping, then no species is, you know, has a, a sustainable future. Everything is entangled into one another. And that's one thing that, as conservationists, you know, we have to uh, be aware of that, that they all – are in sync with one another. We just, again, put labels on stuff, and that's what the Bucks the Birds thing. I mean, there's 11.5 million sportsmen in this country, and, you know, I think all four of us could say that a uh, large majority of that is deer hunters. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, not to bring in, a, like, a donation thing that we have to this. At the end of the video, you'll see there's a link to donate.
3: No, please do. Please do. Yeah,
2: and we'll talk about it. Cody will do a better job illustrating that. But, um you know, if, one, if everybody just did a dollar, this money doesn't go in our pocket. Right. I mean, and the thing is, what's nice about this is that the money that is raised for this project, it's going to go to earmarked uh, projects. Not to repeat myself, it's just, it, it's not going to Rough Ground Society to pay for the electric bill. All right, it's going to go to a specific project, and we're going to make sure that that's what happens with this money that is raised. You know, if Pennsylvania Game Commission, for example, needs a, a fecon head, we want to be able to give them a check to be able to do rough-brouse management or Michigan or Vermont or wherever or southern Indiana. There's, you know, rough grouse has been, I believe, uh, uh, just put on the endangered list. I mean, it's, it's, I can't believe that this is happening. You know, and we want to do the best we can to get out there, and we need everybody's help. You don't have to be a grouse hunter, or you, you don't even have to have ever seen a grouse, you know. It's just it, we have to think bigger. We have to think
3: bigger. Yeah, and I like how you guys are, are hitting on the fact that it's about being just a habitat manager in general. It's not about being a deer guy or, or a grouse guy or a pheasant guy. It's it's literally about just bettering the habitat on your property for the species around you, but also this one in particular. I mean, we're all we're all benefiting multiple species, like we talked about. But yeah, if everybody gave a buck for every deer hunter out there, I mean, you'd be a hell of a lot further down the road right now. And, and I think um, I guess I, I want we'll have the call to actions, you know, throughout the podcast here for everybody, and, and I'll put the promotional video in the show notes below. So if you're listening right now, you can just scroll down and hit that, that link to the video that Eric and Cody made. Um, how synonymous are or is grouse habitat with deer habitat? I mean, are are the people, are our listeners already doing this? They're just not quite aware maybe or, or they are aware or, or what are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: uh, Cody, I'll take this and then
3: that all right. Yeah, for sure.
2: Okay. All right. I don't want to step on Cody's toes. He gets real sensitive. <laughs> no, I, obviously I'm joking. But, no, it's 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 early secessional habitat. You know, a large per, uh, percentage, you know, 60%, 70% depends on who you ask, you know, of wildlife depend on early secessional type habitat. You know, from songbirds to even white-tailed deer. I mean, you guys are really big into, you know, hinge cutting and, and letting the sunlight hit the forest floor. And, you know, that's basically what we're trying to accomplish is create that early successional. But there's a little bit more to it than that. You know, we st- you know rough grouse are they're very adaptable. They have a wide range of, you know, habitat. You want some open. But it's just, again, it's just like the white-tailed deer. Um, the big thing is, you know, with rough grouse management uh, versus just going out with your chainsaw, you know, being a deer guy, you know, a weekend uh, person, is that uh, it- it's always best to contact a forester. You know, to get and tell the forester, like, yeah, I'm obviously looking for timber production instead of me going in there and just, you know, cutting some trees here and there. You know, getting and tell the forester, excuse me, to like, hey, I want to do this for rough grouse. I want some rough grouse habitat, you know. And most foresters know they're trained to develop management plans. And if not, there's always so much information out there that uh, they can get their hands on. There's, you know, rough grouse house biologists uh, and qualified people. You know, there's some consultants out there that know, what, you know, what they're doing as well and the, to develop a plan. But this plan, just want to make sure that they do go hand in hand with what you're trying to accomplish for, you know, uh, holding deer, uh, providing that cover that equals food that we, you know, we always talk about and you guys discuss as well. I mean, they do go hand in hand. And once again, it's just basically... You know, a high stem density that has a lot of food value. It's just, you know, it's just early successional overall.
3: Okay, and is there a minimum acreage that you'd recommend for someone to start implementing some of this stuff for grass specifically? Yeah, well,
2: yes and no. Now, if you have 40 acres, you only do what you can, you know, with what you have. You know, as Teddy Roosevelt always says, but it's, um, yeah. here's the problem. Is that the rough grouse are not a migratory bird? They don't fly around and go, hey, there's a clear cut. You know, that's that's where we're at with this. And just and just being honest, just because you go out and cut your woods, you know, is it too late for the rough grouse? That's the question. But that doesn't mean I mean I'm kind of saying things that they get people depressed or hey, I'm not going to bother because they're not around. That's not that should not stop us because once the population does get up in an area, you know, they do flight or they'll they'll spread out, if you will, you know, and they need, um, they just need to be able to bounce, you know, from property to property without getting hammered by, you know, predators and mostly raptors. You know, your Cooper's Hawks, Sharpshins, Red Tails, etc. Those are the ones that really do damage to
3: them. Well, yeah, that's a whole other issue, right? I see a Red Tail Hawk on every telephone pole on the way to my my property and back. I mean...
2: And and then and also too um, is though, it, when you do like decide like hey I want to do something for the rough grass. I want to have a forester come in I want to do some logging on my property if you have some you know some significant amount of acreage the thing about it is too is like to have a good you know best management practice BMPs you know you just don't want some local you know guy just to go in there and cut that doesn't practice those best management practices by leaving ruts, because those ruts, you know, uh, will hold water. And therefore, you get the mosquito larvae that have West Nile. Now, West Nile is a big uh, contributing factor to the rough grouse population decline. And <coughs> when you're doing poor your management practices with your logging, you're not, even though you're trying to help the species, you can really do some more damage. So, uh, and that, there's more to it than that, but that's, that's it in a nutshell. So, it's not... But it's all easy stuff. It's just it's just asking questions. It's making sure people do their job correctly. None of it's hard. It's just speaking up and making sure that these BMPs are getting done correctly. You know, so yeah, the, the species is getting hammered from you know West Nile to lack of habitat and you know, basically overall people lack of caring. But yeah, they have a lot of things going against them. But there is light. You know, there is light. As much as you know, I just kind of. Doom and gloomed it, but uh, there is light it's just we have to be proactive and you know whether you have big property or little property you, you just do what you can that 's all
3: so is this is this light you mentioned? Is there a red tail hawk season coming up or what are your thoughts i'm sorry i 'm losing you <laughs> 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 moving on <laughs> no if you want if you want to hit some um some of the lights and even maybe some earmarked projects or uh, some some projects that, you know, people's dollars could be going for, even if it's not in their area, um, just caring about this is, is enough. It doesn't have to be in your own woods, right? I don't expect them to be in my woods tomorrow, so Yeah. doesn't mean I don't care.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, we Tony and I talked about it before is, you know, the people, even in, like, uh, we have a mutual friend, Darren, that uh, lives in Louisiana, and he kind of made a, a, you know, uh, a joke about it, and, and not in a disgraceful way, just kind of like, I never, you know, grouse are not down here. But that doesn't mean you don't care. That means that you don't, okay, you don't have them. It's not, maybe not, not in their natural range, but you're a deer manager. You're a conservationist, you know. Um, doing nothing is just, uh, just as bad as, you know, the, not talking about it, you know. It's just you got to, we got the Buxter Birds too. Is I mean, it was good to start the conversation. You know, we're not trying to save the world here, but just got to start the conversation that was not being had. So, yeah,
4: advocacy is a big part of it. I mean, if you can't do any, if you don't do anything at all, I mean, you know, advocate, spread the word, spread awareness. Uh, Eric always uses this analogy, which I you know makes a lot of sense with you know the Buxter Birds campaign it was just to bring everybody to the table and then you know, now we got to feed everybody. We got to educate people like Eric was talking about. I mean, you know, rough grouse management and habitat, it is synonymous with, with deer management and deer habitat, but that doesn't mean you just go cut up your woods or hire a logger. I mean, you know, there's a, it's a little bit more detailed and you have to consider, you know, more aspects of it. Like, you know, just, I mean, are were, were you guys aware of, of the BMPs and, you know, leaving logging ruts and, water pooling up and spreading West Nile. Because when Eric told me that, I had I had no clue whatsoever. So spreading information like that, I mean, that helps landowners. That's, that's helpful information for people looking to help the rough grouse. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we started this campaign more than anything um, you know, we do want to raise money. All that money that we do raise will go right back into boots on the ground habitat management projects. Like Eric said, we want to we want to give a forestry mulcher to somebody who needs it. We want to outfit, you know, a state agency or somebody with a fleet of chainsaws. We want all this money to go right back into habitat work that benefits the rough grouse. But, I mean, almost more than anything, we want people to care. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we only care about the animals or the species. From which we can take, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people don't hunt grouse, so a lot of people aren't really too concerned with their future. You know, we're, we care about white-tailed deer because we want white-tailed deer to be on the landscape tomorrow. I mean, selfishly, for whether we want to hunt them, whether we want to photograph them for whatever reason, we just we want them to be there tomorrow, and we want people to care about the rough grouse in the same way. We don't care if you hunt for them, we don't care, like you know, Eric said about if you live in the deep south or you live way out west with sage grouse like we want you to want rough grouse to be on the landscape we want you to care about the species and fight for its future
1: yeah so i'm sure there's a bunch of our listeners now that may be in that position like you said they don't know much about it they don't really have them in their area where can they go to learn more about the rough grouse and and maybe even learn areas that might not be far from them so they can go and see the habitat maybe. what What's a good resource for them to check out to get started?
2: Well, they can, uh, first off is, you know, contact the Rough Grouse Society or get on their website. And uh, the website has quite a bit of stuff. And if you really, really, truly want to do something, you know, contact them themselves. And they're going to, you know, point you in the right direction on, many things. There's a lot of reading to do. Um, a lot of videos out there, you know, that um, are bringing light to the to the table. And um yeah, I mean there's there's many things that you, there's many things that you could do. Rough Grouse that's to be the first place to start. The Rough Grouse Society, RGS that is. They'll be, you know, they they are I think Cody right, they they are really truly the only voice that the grouse have. That's mm-hmm. it. yeah. Yeah.
4: You know, Cody and I solution. always talk
2: about you know, I mean look at all the species. You know, you think what what's um, this is really interesting, um, not to get sidetracked here. Wild turkeys. There's one voice and the here, right? Yep, sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Think about that. A, that a is a big it voice is. too. Yeah, but that's it. You right. know? white tailed deer. N D A. I mean, yeah, you have Whitetails Unlimited, but they, they kind of do some other, you know, stuff. Not that they don't do a good job. That's not what I'm referring to. But, and yeah, I mean, and, and Ducks Unlimited, you know, what other voices are there? That's why it's important for these organizations to, you know, we can sit there and, and nitpick about how organizations are run and how they're using their finances, etc. But as of right now, that's what they, that we, that's all we have. You know, so you got to prop them up and do, you know, we'll nitpick and argue and debate on how they spend their money. But right now, that is all the the grouse have is RGS, and they're a small organization because the populace that's out there that, you know, grouse hunts, if you will, or cares about the grouse, and, you know, they're, and especially with COVID, you know, their their money is tight like most organizations, so... You know, just because you don't have the property or the ability to do stuff, that does not mean whatsoever that you cannot help. I mean, you can. You know, you could donate money. You could it, just a social media alone, that platform. Just, you know, share. Share information. You know, you can get on their like uh, their social media page and share something. You know, majority of people kind of obviously pass through it, but there's one or two people that might actually read it. And that might be all it takes. You know, so if you see anything from them, from us, you know, hopefully you guys, you know, do, uh, you know, uh, you know, jump on board with this uh, campaign, which I know you guys will. I mean, every little bit helps.
3: Now, do you think there's any reason why each of these organizations only has like one main voice? And I'm not trying to get too off topic here, but. No. Like, how do we get more of a voice for RGS? Are, are, are there other orgs or maybe sportsman's clubs that are promoting upland bird and grouse hunting? Like classes, like hunter safety type classes, or anything along those lines that could be done? Any any ideas there? that You guys have come across since October? Uh,
2: I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think that doesn't mean that there isn't. Cody, do you think of any offhand by chance?
4: No, I, you know, the only organization I can think of that, that would, you know, that, that kind of steps outside what their name represents is Pheasants Forever. Um, you okay. know, they, they're kind of limiting in what their, their name doesn't really do the work that they do justice. You know, Pheasants Forever, they speak, oh, no. they really do, they speak for a lot of wildlife species across the United States, but
2: uh, I'm not yeah, sure. If, one, one thing, too, I got in the mail since I, you know, I got a, a, a upland hunting dog myself, and, um, you know, we're tiptoeing in the water trying to figure our way through this, Uh, but it opened up a whole new world, and obviously when you're an upland hunter, you need a a good quality upland vest, and then there's this, you know, company that is called Orvis, and it's funny, I got their magazine in the mail, and they have, uh, yeah, they have places like outfitting places that you could go and, you know, take your dog or go hunt, you know, in Kansas, etc., but they have these, they do have these schools where you can learn, but these classes, I, I would assume, are not just necessarily how to work a dog, but how to read habitat. And when you're sitting there doing all that, you're going to be learning. So there, I guess there is. And it's just like, I mean, that's outside the box thinking. We're always looking for a society or organization or an association. But right. like, to you, look what Kuyu's is doing, um, the camouflage. They're really strong in the conservation now. Uh, to myself, I think personally that that is going to be the future that it's going to be heading in. Um, uh, you know, cause how people feel about organizations and stuff like that. So people are stepping outside of that box and just like, hey, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. So p- companies like Kuyu, Orvis, I guess, so they, I guess that does answer your question. There is, you know, outside the box, but they're just so small right now in the sense of uh, people like you and me. You know, in their community, they're big, but outside, we don't know that. You
3: know, so great points, though. I'm glad you answered that the way you did. I mean, there's there's a new Upland Bird apparel company here in Michigan that started out the last couple of years. They've been on Michigan Outdoors a few times and might be somebody to to talk to about your campaign as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just spitballing here, you know, just oh, yeah. ideas, ideas coming to the mind here. Um, yeah.
4: So every little bit helps, you know, like any group or organization. Eric and I, we reached out to as many people as we could when we launched the campaign, because, you know, every little bit does help. And the more, you know, Eric mentioned it, the more people who see this campaign and what we're trying to accomplish, you know, nine times out of 10, nine people out of 10, they might just scroll through it or pass by it, or they might not care. But, you know, that one person might be able to make a really, really big difference or have an outside the box idea or, you know, be able to contribute something really, really positive. So. Any way that you know, we can help spread the word and get the word out is is tremendously
2: helpful.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I know there should be some people that listen to this podcast that would want to help. I know we had a we started a new group called Habitat Chat on Facebook. I don't know if you guys yeah. mm-hmm. have joined or, or not yet. Love to have you there and and your contributions. You guys are two smart fellows. We'd love to love to see you on there. I, and I know that there was a, a post today about. The bird dogs on there a couple hours ago and there's already you know eight ten comments about people being proud of their bird dogs and the new stuff they're they're doing with their habitat to involve those dogs and um it just it just goes to show that the interest is here you just gotta get the word out like you guys are saying
2: yeah and that's one thing too is i mean we kind of touched on it we did a podcast um well i think it was our last podcast right cody where You know, it was was a little frustrating. We thought, um, you know, we put out a really good product with this video, and um, we thought we would get a little bit better response. And um, it kind of just, it wasn't there. And it was a little upsetting, to be honest with you. And uh, not that I expect everybody to dig in their wallet and start throwing money at something, but it was a little upsetting. We reached out, like Cody said, we reached out to a lot of people. And... um, you know, it was just kind of fell on deaf ears, and it was it was a big statement, you know, to me personally, and uh, as Cody as well, that um, the response wasn't there, and I know Cody and I, we obviously need to do a better job getting the information out there, and but we can only do so much, you know, we're not the Habitat podcast, really.
3: <laughs> you know, we 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 don't have the, we can only do so much.
2: You know? Your eyes
3: are turning brown as I'm looking at you on the <laughs> yeah. Zoom screen right here. That's
2: right. That's right.
1: Well, hopefully yeah. it, w- it was just the start of deer season that kind of slowed things down on that. I'm yeah. I'm I'm hoping that's all it was. It's just people were distracted getting their deer hunting stuff together. And, yeah. you know,
2: yeah.
1: I think it's going to go up from here. I think yeah. it just takes a little bit to get going, and uh, yeah. we'll see where it goes. Yeah, this does
2: not have an expiration date. That's for sure. Awesome. You know, and as – you know, Cody and I were sitting there trying to ponder, you know, what went wrong, what did this, and, you know, why and why and, you know, uh, figuring out what we did wrong. And it was just like, wait a minute, man, this is – we're not going to let this fail. That's not how Cody and I are wired. And, um, yeah, like I said, this doesn't have an expiration date. We want this to turn into something big. And, once again, we don't care who who jumps on board necessarily as long as it doesn't lose its uh, meaning and mission, you know. Um yeah, I mean it's just uh, let's let's rock and roll. Let's uh, you know let's let's leave a let's leave a mark. I mean we mentioned in the video leaving a mark on conservation, man. That's something powerful. That's something to be proud of. You know, not just hey I killed a 200 inch whitetail. Yeah, that's great. But in the whole scheme of things, no one will remember that. You know, nope, this, only you. Yeah, this you will be remembered. This is. Not to get on a soapbox, but man, this is a chance to leave like I said, leave our mark on conservation. We can be the generation that look what we did for the white tailed deer. We can do this for the rough grouse. I mean it's so exciting that we could have that you know, rep, you know, reputation of hey we yeah, we we come across narcissistic, we're all about deer, we're all about ourselves. No, we are not. You know? But we gotta do something we gotta we gotta start moving.
4: Yeah. Now, it's all about, you know, your mental mindset, I think. I mean, you can, you know, Eric and I, we've touched on a little bit, you know, the future of the rough grouse, and we say the current projections are zero, and they do have a pretty dim future. It's not very bright, but that's the, that's just the reality of it. You know, what we do mo- moving forward, it's all about perspective, and it's all about our mental mindset, and, you know, you can wallow in self-pity, or you can wait for somebody else to, to take the reins and do the work for you, or you can look at this as a really great, exciting opportunity to do something really, really positive in the world. I mean, it's you know, it's 2021. 2020 was the hell of a year. You know, people argue that we're more divided now more than ever and we're always fighting amongst each other. And whether you subscribe to that theory or not, like this is an opportunity for us to all come together and work towards a really, really great cause, like leave our a really positive mark on wildlife conservation for, for the rough grouse, for the species and you know, you, Eric and I talk about it. You know, being you know your mental mindset is that it's I got to versus I get to. You know, and if you listen to this podcast, and your your first reaction is well, I got to start doing something. You know, I got to I got to start doing some habitat for rough ground. So well, I got to join RGS. I got to do this. Like if it, if it's a doom and gloom, pitch and moan type attitude, then you know, <laughs> we don't want you to be a part. But if your attitude is now, look at look at this. I get to be a part of this. I get to manage habitat for rough grouse. I get to be a member of Rough Grouse Society. I get to donate this money to this campaign that's going right back into habitat management. You know, it's a little bit. It feels a little bit different. So if we can adopt this, uh, you know, this uh, mindset that this is an opportunity for us to do something really, really positive and do it together, whether you're a deer hunter, a duck hunter liberal, conservative, left, right, black, white, it doesn't matter. Like, this is an opportunity for us to all come together and do something really, really good for wildlife.
2: Yeah, I mean, we just to piggyback on that, I mean, we wanted this to be a movement, guys. I mean, we, I, I mean, cheesily, we, we, you know, think of like merchandise and, and fucks right. the birds and, you know, everybody's just, you know, it, it is, it's a movement, you know? It, it doesn't mean that you stop deer managing. Not at all. You know? It's just your you're proud, and um, you're excited to, you know, help a, a, a species. You know, people have a label anymore on, you know, the deer managers. You know, I, sometimes I, I, I'm guilty of, you know, labeling deer managers anymore as being a little bit narcissistic and etc. But man, there's a chance. I mean, this, like I said, this is a movement. We want it to be a movement. So, you know, and, and we once again appreciate you guys taking the time to let us have a. You know, a little bit of uh, the 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 floor, if
3: you will. So it means a lot. It really does. No, that's a, not a problem at all. That's what that's what we're here for. We're here to become better habitat managers, as our shameless plug slogan will go. But that, I mean, this is part of it, guys. Um, you guys are friends of ours, and if it's important to you, uh, it should be important to us, and and it is. And it's, it's sad that not many more people have have um taken up the reins and, and helped get the word out there. But hopefully that'll change. Maybe we can get to some more people and mm-hmm. and maybe like Brian said, deer season was just on people's minds and, and, and I don't know, but it if, if you want to to help out, if you're a listener and you want to help out, besides watching the video in the show notes, what do you guys recommend? Is there is joining Rough grass Society the, the best way is, is donating to your cause on your um, campaign the best way. I guess run us through the couple options we might have there, maybe a little bit to each is the best way.
1: Go ahead, Freddie.
4: Yeah, I mean, there. I, I, I don't want to say that one is better than the other because we want you to do something, you know, no matter what it is. You know, becoming a member of RGS, that's, that's a great way. I mean, they need all the help they can get. Um, donating directly to them, if you want to donate more than you know what the membership cost is. I think it's 35 bucks to, to become a member of RGS, and you get a, I mean, just like if you when you join QDMA or you know MDA, I think that yearly membership cost is about the same, and that cost is worth it for the the Quality Whitetails magazine, the the bellwether magazine that RGS puts out is it's worth you know whatever the yearly membership fee is. To become a member of RGS, donate directly to them. I mean, that's that's a great option. Donating directly to this campaign, which, you know, hopefully you guys will share the link to this PayPal donation. Like I said, a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of links floating around about donate, people asking for money, give us money, donate to this, donate to that. And I'm the same way. I'm always a little apprehensive. Like, I'm happy to give you my money, but I need to know, like, exactly where it's going. Especially with wildlife, you never really know where the money's going if you give 100 bucks, by the time it actually gets to the species or to wildlife or to habitat, you might have actually only given 10 bucks by the time it gets diluted. 100% of what you donate to this link to the Bucks to Birds campaign goes right back into habitat projects for rough grouse. So if you want to, you know, make an impact that way, I mean, like I said 100% of whatever it is you donate goes right back into the habitat for for the species for the rough grouse. Yeah. um you know, spreading the word. Like I said, every little bit helps. Sharing the video, um, sharing it with your buddies, sharing the link with your buddies. Advocacy awareness is is a big part of the. If you do nothing else but share the video, that's a huge help.
2: Yep, yeah, and one thing that's left out of the word conservation is is like what Cody said is being an advocate, and that right there is it's just, it's huge. It's a big part. It's a major piece of the puzzle. And um, the power, you know, and I want Cody to elaborate on it because I don't want to butcher it, but the power that we have to make a difference is insane. And and for an example is that, uh, and Cody, this is where I'll I'll switch it to you. Cody worked on a project with, um, uh, oh, my God, I just went completely blank. Cody, about the dogs.
4: Mm, Um, Ivan Carter.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Ivan Carter. Um, and, uh, yeah, just go ahead and explain that to so how the power of a, this, of a video and, and, and caring can happen, can happen. Yeah,
4: I mean, I, I did this project with, with Ivan who – Ivan Carter, he's a, he's a conservationist who who lives in Africa and does a lot of wildlife conservation on the African continent all over doing translocation and reintroducing animals and back into their native range where they've been killed all for extinct for, for who knows how long. So he does a lot of really, really good work you know, for wildlife in Africa. And I did a project for him a couple of years ago about these, uh, pack hounds. There was a sheriff's deputy in South Texas who they run, they run dogs on fugitives down there, which I think is just the coolest thing. I think that's how it should yeah. be across yeah. all of the country, but you know, they, uh, you know, there's a sheriff's deputy. He, he, he's a houndman by trade basically, um, and Ivan recruited this guy to to train these dogs, to send these dogs to, to South Africa to Kruger National Park to catch rhino poachers. And we adopted the same process for the Bucks to Birds that we did for this anti-poaching uh, initiative. And, you know, the, the end result, it was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. I mean, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to send these dogs from South Texas to South Africa, you know, flew them across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, and now their success rate catching poachers at Kruger Nash, it's like 80% or something. I mean, they're making a real positive, tangible difference in, in wildlife conservation in, in South Africa. And You know, this project, the Bucks to Birds campaign, it has the same potential, I feel like, if we can get people to care about the species, which that was a big part of, you know, the the the, the, the dog poaching solution was getting people to care about rhinos like everybody knows they're getting poached and getting killed and getting their horns cut off but until you see it you know and you see this you know rhino cow with your face cut off and you see the rhino calf like right beside her and I mean once you see it in person or you see video footage of it it becomes real and that was part of the video that I put together was you know identifying the problem which was rhino poaching in Africa. Everybody knows help it happens, but how can we help? And then we introduced the solution. The solution was, you know, turning these packhounds loose on poachers and, and catching them and, you know, letting justice take its own way, however <laughs> your want let like you imagine, yeah, let your imagination run with it how you want. And that's Like I said, when Eric and I started the Bucks to Birds campaign, like we adopted the same model, the same process, like identify the problem with the rough grouse, like what's the problem, right? Lack of habitat management and this and that, you know, step two, get people to care about the species, you know, current projections, literally zero. So we've identified the problem, we've gotten people to care about the species. So what's the solution? And then now the solution is, you know, habitat management, donating, when you can, when you if you can, to our campaign or you know to RGS. So the, the social media has um, you know a tremendous has tremendous potential to do a lot of really really good if we use it correctly.
2: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Th- just the, the the power that we have. I mean, we can we can change direction of many things. Yeah. Especially in the wildlife world, man. I mean, it's just. It's incredible what we have the capability of doing, but we just, you know, like Cody said, you've got to somehow make it personal for people to, to, to gravitate toward. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I just keep going back to, it. this is happening on our watch, not to repeat myself, but it's just, it's just everybody should pause when they hear this, you know. It just it's um I get accused of being too passionate sometimes, and maybe that's that that's the case, but um I just feel that everybody should have this some, somewhere in them where you know it's not all about deer all the time you know you guys are a yeah. habitat management uh, platform, and sometimes we we turn that habitat management platform into more of a deer hunting related thing and it's just like wait 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 well we got you know slow down you know it is still about. Habitat. Everything evolves around habitat. Why did the pheasants die in 78? Did the blizzard kill them? Well, technically, yes, but it was a lack of habitat that killed the pheasants. Why do quails suffer in, a, in a, you know, why do sage-grouse having a hard time? It's because of habitat. Everything evolves around habitat. And, you know, the anti-logging sentiment, you know, that doesn't help us. We need to promote logging. We need to put those people trophy high. When you see a log truck, what do you see? You should ask yourself that when you're driving down the road. Next time you see a logging truck, how do you feel? As cheesy as that sounds. I mean, do you see, you know, some people see, you know, uh, timber getting raped off the landscape and the trees were screaming as they were getting cut? Or do you see quality habitat? you see wildlife flourishing? And that's how we should view that. Everybody should, from a non-game community to, you know, a hunting community. We should see these things differently, but they're not going to see them unless we start talking about it and reaching across the aisle and, and talking about these things. It's coming together, putting our differences aside, uh, how you know, first, you know, uh, how we feel about wildlife. Everybody has something in common. We all love wildlife, and especially you guys and your your following, you know, absolutely, absolutely, is obsessed with habitat management. This is what we need. For this to be successful. Let's make this a movement. We can do this. We can change the direction. You know, and, um, you know, the people like yourselves that have a big platform. You know, Joe down the road. I don't expect Joe you know, down the road that hunts, you know, just on the weekends to start handing money out. That's Yeah, that's great. But we need platforms like you, you guys and others to you know, those are the ones that, that are going to spread the message through their own followers. We need them to care. You know, it's not all about putting money in and getting likes and 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 followers on social media. Yeah, that's great. We all live for that. Everybody has an ego, but we have to put that aside. You know, why are you doing this? You know, you started out because you you wanted to make things better, and maybe sometimes you got a little sidetracked. Well, will get back on board, man. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, and uh, we don't have to do it overnight either. You know, like no. people always ask me, it gets it could be overwhelming to think, all right, I got to support this organization, I got to support that organization. But think about it, yep. you got 12 months in the year. If you take 25 or 35 or 50 bucks or whatever you can afford once a month, just pick, you know, Rough Grass Society, January, send them 35 bucks, NDA, for February. You know, and just go down the line. Ducks Unlimited. Oh, it's not. It's not going to break clients. the bank. It's not going to break yeah. the bank. Yeah. I mean, we we go out we go out to the bar and spend that on beers, or out to the restaurant and spend that on breakfast. It's once a month. I mean, we don't have to do it all tomorrow. We could spread right. it out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I just did a consult the other day, and the, I was talking to the clients, and. You know, we got talking about conservation and how, and she asked me, you know, how can I be better? And I was like, and she was talking about, you know, like up our warm season grasses. You know, how can I be better at it? I was like, you know what? Learn about a bluebird, learn something other than deer. Because when you do, you open your world to actually how to manage that species of cover. When you, when you just concentrate on deer, you're only getting that one side of how to manage that. When you reach out and take the blinders off, we keep saying that. And Brian, that was absolutely, uh, the whole thing, that was absolutely incredible what you just said. Reach out to other organizations that you're not even comfortable with, you know, but you know they care about wildlife habitat. Notice sure. that said habitat, you know, the Bluebird Society, the, this society, there's so much other stuff. You know, that you could do. That was a great point right there. Brian gets a star. star Started (laughs) that.
3: I told you that the number one rule is we can't mute Brian. We can't
2: mute Brian. He finally pulled his weight out of all the times I've listened to this podcast. All you see him is just drinking. I don't know if I'd go that far. All he does is drink Bush lattes and sits there and prays around about Pittsburgh sports and stuff, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, man, this stuff's supposed to be fun. You know, this is not supposed to be stressful at all. And, and, uh, man, if you don't laugh, you just, yeah, you just got to keep moving.
1: Yeah, I I think our listeners are primed for this project also because we've had, um, I'm trying to remember, um, Jared, what's the lady's name from the being Butterfly project? Elsa, Elsa Elsa, Gallagher. Elsa, how can I forget? Sorry, Elsa. But, um. Our listeners really went crazy for that episode, and uh, just they're, they're really into pollinators and trying to help the pollinators, which is which is great habitat for everything. So, I think a lot of our listeners will get on board with this, and I think we'll be able to light a fire under this thing for you guys. Uh, we appreciate it,
4: man. Because you know, when Eric and I started this thing, we we reached out to so many people because. You know, guys like yourself, you guys have bigger platforms than what Eric and I do. We don't have all that big of a following, and you know we don't care who gets the credit for the difference that we make. You know, at, at the end of the day, if we make this big, tremendous difference for the rough grouse, we want it to be, you know, a, a collaboration of the Deer Hunter Project, of the Habitat Podcast, of the Rough Grouse Society, of NDA, of x y and z it's uh it's a true if we're going to really make a, a positive difference if we're honest with ourselves eric and i can't do it by ourselves you guys can't do it by yourselves it's going to take all hands on deck to to make a positive impact so we're, we're grateful that you guys gave us this opportunity to talk about it and you know appreciative that you're going to help us spread the good word
2: yeah and, and even talking to you know sponsors of you know products like uh I just had a great conversation with a, a guys uh, from Moore's Nursery, you know, um, just the other day. What was it, Frank? Frank Brock, right? Yep, Frank, Frank Brock, yeah. yep. Wonderful. Great dude. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, I could have talked to him forever. Great guy, great company, you know, great business. They have, you know, incredible product. But, well, again, you know, thinking outside the box, you know, that, you know, the grouse do eat, you know, fruit, etc. that, you know, let's, Let's reach out to them. Let's reach out to this, and it just every, if everybody does something, we can slowly get this ship heading in the right direction.
3: So, no, I'm 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 glad you guys came on, and, and I'm hoping now that it's you know quote unquote official habitat season, we'll be able to. Uh, Hit the listeners and, and you know get them interested like like we are and and try to get this spread out to to our people and to the listeners. If there's any other platforms that you think uh, we or Eric and Cody should should get on with this, you know, shoot us a message, let us know, comment in our Facebook group, whatever suggestions you guys might have. I mean, we're here because of the listeners, so if you guys have anything at all that that can help propel this even further, you know, let us know. We're yeah. we're here to help, so. And you guys, thanks so much for coming out. Just we glad to have you anytime.
4: Oh man, I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah.
3: And on a lighter note, what you guys' uh plans,
2: management plans? Let's talk. What's going on? You're gonna go hinge something, right?
3: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, just because you said that, I'm gonna go hinge cut a a pear tree in my front yard right now.
1: That's right. Let's do it. <laughs> the calorie yeah. pear, yeah. You gotta get yeah. rid of that calorie pear. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's uh it's almost ten PM. I'm gonna go cut that thing down just wake the neighborhood up.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
3: No, my um I just had some some logging done um this past fall or September I should say. So I'm gonna go clean up in there and make sure it's navigable for my wildlife and um take care of some undesirables that's on the list as well. That's and uh you know, I just right now I'll just work is going insane too. So yeah. lots lots on the platter. Um how about you guys? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just um,
4: <laughs> sharpening the saws and filling up with fuel and oil. It's, it's like yes, sir. It. It's it's chainsaw season here in Appalachia. I I can't wait, man. I I love this time of year. A nice cold Saturday or Sunday, you know, that scream of the chainsaw seems to wake everything up in the mountains around here, and I could spend all day doing it. You know, cutting firewood, obviously, for, for habitat and wildlife, too. At the end of the day, you're beat. You go sit by the fire, the firewood that you cut this time last year. You know, at the end of the day, you know you made a difference for, for wildlife and habitat. I, I could run a chainsaw all day.
2: So that's, Yeah,
3: that's, it's
2: it's almost disturbing, guys. Now, I thought, okay, he's, he talks about this, and, you know, every now and then we I get to go down to Virginia, or Cody comes up here, but, you know, when I head down to Virginia... You know, when you see Cody in action here, I thought, all right, he's just a younger version of me, and and he he has the energy. He doesn't wake up with like aches and pains and stuff, you know, <laughs> you know like something Not that yet. happened last week. Yeah, something that happened last week. You know, you got up too fast and know, painful. <laughs> but no, man, you see, if you put a chainsaw or more, more, I mean, the better is a backpack sprayer. He's just like he's something in his eye. It's disturbing. He actually needs help that was somebody <laughs> it's just like he'll spray <clears throat> your leg on that he's I mean, moving you know <laughs> you gotta get out of
4: the way, a little friendly fire,
3: yeah,
4: no yeah, yeah. No, i I'm like you guys i I love the habitat and and managing it for wildlife just as much if not more than than the hunting aspect of it,
3: yeah, I think that's where like like Eric, you said earlier, you know we all start out as maybe a hunter and then there's a, something more that just keeps gnawing at you in January in February, in March. and February and March. And that's, I mean, that's how I got hooked on this stuff in the old QDMA forums in the mm-hmm. off season and just yeah. sucked into all of that. And so, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a great time to, to get out there and, and, you know, really appreciate you guys coming on. We'll put your link for your, you said it was a, um, was it a GoFundMe or a PayPal link or what was your guys's specific campaign where, 100% of the proceeds go to these uh, these projects.
4: Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a PayPal donation link.
3: Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes then, right? Yeah. Everybody can awesome. scroll down and grab that as we are listening. Awesome.
4: Thanks a bunch,
3: man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP Land Plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at HabitatPodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes and then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where we can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, HuntWise, Killer Food Plots, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat.
2: Stands Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content,
0: be sure to watch the original films from Stand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStan, the number one
2: hunting and land management app.